the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. In the Reds' day, the Dow down 62 points. The One of them. Because it takes 12 years to create a graduate. Welcome in. I'm Rob Black. Dedicated to getting you to retirement. I look at the small pictures of the economy. I take a look at investing, money, personal finance, insurance, anything that could affect you in getting you to retirement. Anything. Yes, I will go as cheesy on occasion and say things like, you know, if, you, if you're not saving money for retirement, then absolutely, by all means, take a look at what you're spending at Pete's Coffee or Phil's Coffee or uh, Starbucks. But that's really not for the average person who's saving for retirement. That's for the person who's falling way behind. So I try not to go there, if you know what I'm saying. I don't want to humiliate you. I don't want to humble you. That's really not my goal. My goal is to get you to become a better investor. Simple things like maxing out your 401k. Recently, we've seen the market hit all-time highs. And again, the message that I'm throwing out right now is you work from age 20 to 60, and the markets are hitting all-time highs. So you need to participate when you're in your 20s so that when you're in 40s, the markets are hitting all-time highs, you've done good. So that in your 30s, when the markets are hitting lows, you're buying at lower prices so that when you're 40s, you're at all-time highs. It's kind of a very, very basic concept. But with that said... Uh, not enough people doing it. Not enough people thinking about age 60 to 100, or even 50 to 60. I have two brothers who, uh, no, I've got one brother who hit age discrimination. And I've got another brother who basically pulled all of his money out of the market. Totally different story, but so i got one brother who, he thought he was going to work until he was 60 or 70. He thought he was going to work until the day he died. Didn't work out quite like that for him, and it's almost unfortunate. And I say almost unfortunate in large part because, you know, again, he wasn't thinking. He wasn't. He was making assumptions that ended up being wrong. That he had to struggle for a couple of years. Like uh, he had to ask family for help. Again, is there anything wrong with that? No, there's nothing wrong with that. Can you count on it? I don't think you can really count on it. To be fair. Um, talk about some of the top stories of the day. I think that's always, you know, something that you want to do. But you also want to kind of combine that with where are you. So, again, you work from age 20 to 60. Markets are at highs, so you can't go, this market's against me. Because indices are at highs. You know, it's, it's not like one stock is at an all-time high and 99 are, are low. Broad swaths are at highs. Does it mean they're going to stay here forever? No. But you kind of get that. 
Um, we can talk big things on this show, which is something I like to do. You know, like demand for protein fuels the food industry. There's no doubt about it. When I want to lose weight, I go, you know, I up my protein, I cut my uh, carbs. Like, uh, and then you know, sometimes I'll honestly go on like a like a low protein, like on a low calorie diet. I change my diets because ultimately what what I've learned is that they all kind of work in some way, shape, or form. But yeah, there's a trend for protein foods, and I hope you see it. Global hunger from Beijing to Boston has people gobbling, gobble, 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 up more meat and dairy products, fueling multi-billion dollar mergers. We recently saw Tyson Food plan an acquisition of $7.7 billion to get Hilscher brands. Consumers in emerging markets are piling more meat onto their plates and feeding their children more milk products. And again, this is worldwide as we've created more of a middle class. Some health-conscious consumers are replacing carbohydrates like bread and cereal with more animal protein like meat, yogurt, and eggs. The trend has given rise to a new meat industry giant. There's a company out of Brazil called JBS, publicly traded. Consider it. China's got a WH group. They're propelling sales by U.S. companies such as Hilshire, who makes Jimmy Dane sausages, ballpark hot dogs, and Chobani, the country's biggest Greek yogurt brand. That's why everyone wanted Hilshire. It's prompting farmers around the world to expand their production of meat, as well as corn, soybeans, and other crops used to feed livestock. This is a trend you can invest in. People want more protein. It's a very good business to be in right now. Companies are rushing to secure critical assets from things like milk powder to infant formula to billion-dollar brands. So that Hillshire deal, if it does get completed, it should. It would be the meat industry's biggest merger, topping last year's $4.7 billion acquisition of Smithfield Foods by WH Group, again tied towards China. Biggest takeover ever of an American company by a Chinese company. JBS of Brazil has done a lot of acquisitions in the past decade as well. Meat, egg, dairy products, beans, grains. They're amongst the principal sources of protein, which the digestive system breaks down into amino acids that replace existing proteins in human cells. The body can't produce its own amino acids. So protein is a pretty much so considered an essential part of the human diet. Protein deficiency remains a problem for a lot of people around the world. Worldwide consumption of meat. Meat, 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 meat. It's going to rise 1.9% a year over the next decade. You're going to see rising incomes in places like China, Mexico, Central America. It's going to allow them to afford more pork, chicken, and beef. Thank you. Oprah Winfrey is in studio. So, Oprah, now that you've been out of the show business for a while, well, not out of show business, but out of a daily talk show, what are you doing to pass your time? Good answer. See, we all need to have plans when we're in retirement. And I don't know what the heck I would do in retirement at this point in time. I'm getting closer. I'm closer than when I was you know, 20, than when I was 30. So maybe I'll just keep reading the newspaper and 
listen to conference calls and dialing in on the economy. I'll be the grandfather of money. Mountain demand for meat and dairy products has raised environmental concerns, of course. So there's a flip side of this story. As farmers planted 97 million acres of corn, the most since 1930s, and up 75.5 million in 2001, or up from something to 75 million. So basically, we're isn't that kind of amazing? Farmers planted 97 million acres. That's the most since the 1930s. Like, how did we not like top that number since the 1930s? Were we just like a corn-loving nation in the 1930s? Were we like corn, 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 corn? See, I can't imagine. Can you? We've gone 80 years to top the record of planting corn. Weird to me. So in the United States, most people already consume more protein than they need. That's the problem. You should only eat protein the size of your, your palm. If you're eating things much bigger than that, you're eating too much. And that's all I got for you. On today's Body Beautiful by Rob Black. Hey, um, World Cup starts, like, soon. You into the World Cup soccer? Drop me an email, rob at robblack.com. It's rob at robblack.com. Tell me who's going to be the winner of the big tournament. Don't be shy. I'm here. Big events coming up in Palo Alto. You can sign up for them at robblack.com. That's on the 19th, eight days from now. Robblack.com. That's robblack.com. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Hey, this is Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. i got a big event coming up in Palo Alto. I'm going to be doing it with CFP Chad Burton, New Focus Financial. It's going to be the 10 Pillars of Retirement Investing in Palo Alto. It's going to be on the 19th of the month. It's a Thursday evening from 630 to 9 at the Elks Lodge. It's $5 to get in. 100% of that goes to charity, and we match it. You can sign up for the event at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. But if you want some handouts and things to like look at, study, uh, newfocusfinancial.com. Newfocusfinancial.com has a lot of good stuff there that's tied towards these type of content, uh, commentaries. Check it out. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Money, investing, and more. Don't be shy. Drop me an email, rob at robblack.com. It's rob at robblack.com. Let's talk a little real estate right now. Joining me now... Mortgage lender, Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. It's BayAreaLoanSource.com. One of the standards or one of the rules, I guess, tied towards getting a mortgage now is you have to be a quali- for it to be qualified. It can't be more than 43% of your debt-to-income ratio. Your right. debt-to-income ratio can't be greater than 43%. What's that mean? So in January 10, 2014, the part of the Dodd-Frank implementation was something called qualified mortgages. Basically, lenders uh, will get federal legal protection against lawsuits if they follow the qualified mortgage rule ability to pay, repay rules, um, part of this um, this new law, uh, so to speak. And, um, and what it does is limits the 
borrower's ability to borrow over a certain amount of their debt. So that 43% basically represents all of your debt on a monthly basis. Okay, so if you make $10,000 a month, you can spend 4300 a month on all of your debt. It's interesting to note that when I was growing up, and I kind of hold these standards still to be fairly true, that you shouldn't spend more than 28 to 40% of your income on your housing. Right. Because taxes are going to take 15 to 20% of your income. Income taxes are going to take another 10%. So security taxes are going to take 3 plus percent, 4 5%. It all adds up. And then you're left with how much can you really afford? It's somewhere between 28 and 40%. 40% you're stretching yourself. 28% you probably have a little bit more wiggle room in case you get in trouble and lose a job. I like rules like this because people can start saying, okay, there's my budget. If my budget is $100,000 a year, I can only afford 28 to 40000 If that's what's coming in, that's what can go out towards housing. Right. That's the basic idea. Another one that I like, and you can tell me if this is true or not, is two and a half times your income is what you could afford in a house. So if you make $100,000 a year, you could afford $250,000. It's a basic rule. Again, it doesn't take into cases low interest rates and some other scenarios, but I like it. Um, it shows people what you should be in, even though we all want a million-dollar house. We don't all make $400,000 a year. Right. So, and that's that 43% is the what they call the back-end ratio, or all of your debt, and they do set limits on your front-end ratio, which is just the new housing debt. And, of course, they don't factor in things like they use gross income on W-2. So they don't factor in taxes and expenses of owning the house, maintenance, and so forth. So then the lenders are, are, are honoring this for the most part. There are ways you can go over the 43% if you have a strong credit package, like better credit score, a lot more equity. Oh, I have a strong a credit lot, package. Uh, you know, a, a good income, so, solid job, and the type of property. There's, so you put the credit package together and you go higher. So lenders are able to go over it currently. Mm-hmm. But, it, you know, it's it's all about, you know, looking at the future of why you want to own this house. And, you know, are you getting the good tax breaks? Is it working as far as, you, you know, uh, are you going to have a kid? Do you have college to pay for and so on? Another rule that I kind of like, and you can tell me this, you get a good rate at 20% down. You get an okay rate at 10%. Down, okay rate at 10%. Good rate at 20%. Great rate at 25%. Really great rate at 30%. Is there some truth to that statement that Absolutely. the more you put down, the better rate you get? Absolutely. And, again, it's part of your whole credit package and equity and credit scores. Oh, my credit package is good. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Finish your thought. Uh, it's all about your credit package, and equity is one of the, the, the better scenarios or the better factors that helps you get the lower rate and, and uh, better pricing for that rate. Uh, not only that, better equity also helps you qualify for certain types of loans and certain types of properties. If it's an investment property, you want to put 25% down as opposed to 20. Uh, you get a huge t- uh, uh, benefit in rate, but it's 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 your whole package, and and it also helps you avoid mortgage insurance. And it's not you can get a great rate rate with FHA. As a matter of fact, better than you can get under 25% down conventional. But you have mortgage insurance, so it's a way of avoiding mortgage insurance as well and getting a good rate of return on the money you're putting into your house and making it work for you to the best of the ability. I was reading a home equity line, a credit document. Did you know that banks? typically put in language that they can cancel at any point in time. Absolutely. That has to be, like, shocking for some people because they don't expect that. They think they get a home equity line of credit. It's mine. I can do with it what I want, when I want, where I want, how I want. And you get a letter from the bank. There's no doubt that a lot of people back before 2007, 2008 did not read their note, their adjustable arm note, and they don't even know how they work. So it's important that you do understand those the terminology. 
Tony Mendez does a show here on KDOW every Thursday evening from 6 to 7 p.m. Listen to it. You'll learn a lot about one of the most important financial decisions you'll make in your life. You can find Tony Mendez at BayAreaLoanSource.com. That's BayAreaLoanSource.com. And I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Eight hundred five one six twelve twenty. It's eight hundred five one six twelve twenty to get your calls on the air. Alibaba is debuting a U.S. shopping site that is kind of interesting as far as the story goes. Chinese giant's moves come as it prepares for a massive U.S. listing. Um, Eleven Maine. It's a marketplace developed by Alibaba's two wholly-owned U.S. units, Vindio and Octiva. Hosts more than 1,000 merchants in categories such as clothing, fashion accessories, and jewelry, as well as interior goods and arts and crafts. Alibaba's huge. The one thing that you... I don't think Amazon has anything to fear, but down the road they will, for sure. Alibaba is going to be a competitor, or at least try to be a competitor. So, again, does that put, does that mean you just go sell your Amazon? Probably not. But it, it's, it's a conversation. Will Alibaba, or 11 Main, excuse me in this case, generate any buzz? Well, they got deep pockets. They dominate e-commerce in the world's largest internet market, dwarfing U.S. counterparts in terms of the value of the transactions and tangles. Combined transaction volume of its consumer shopping sites in China reached $248 billion. Not too shabby. It's a big boy. You can find me online at robblack.com. You can find me at a seminar coming close to you, Palo Alto, Elks Club, Thursday the 19th. Sign up for it at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. dropped out of school. There's one every 20 seconds. Over 200 kids an hour. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Someone asked me the other day, is Radio Shack stock a bargain? I say, no, it's not. Radio Shack was the perfect place to buy batteries for your Walkman or your cord for your VHS cassette player in the 1980s. But electronics have changed. And the stock in the store is an utter disaster. Investors who have hung on to shares of Radio Shack have lost 88% of their investment in the last three years. It's trading for less than $2. Is it a bargain? No. Now, where some people see destruction, other people will see opportunity. I don't. That ties back to the ifs and buts. If ifs and buts were candy and nuts, oh, what a party we'd have. 
Uh, if they get acquired, if they get a new CEO, if they get some sort of you know last-second credit deal. So, to me, if there is anything that I would find attractive about it, it's that they do have some retail space. And it probably would cost some money for Angela Earhart's and Apple to come in and gut the stores and turn them into quick, small little Apple stores or best little Best Buy stores where, you know, the best product is being sold and not, you know, Best Buy's problem is they're too big. Radio Shack's problem is that, well, no one uses radios anymore. No one eats cables anymore. And when they want a phone, they go straight to Apple. Anyhow, let's talk a little financial planning with CFP Chad Burton. Joining me now... CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. It's newfocusfinancial.com. Best way to reduce shocks to a portfolio, both in retirement as well as in youth. Thoughts? Yeah, well, I mean, world events. Let's let's just look at the last decade. We've seen a tech bubble. And then we saw a real estate bubble. And now we're right in the middle of a debt bubble. We've seen Greece. We're dealing with issues of Spain and Italy now. Uh, what's next, Iran? I, I mean, think, I think it's going to be Mr. Bubble. Mr. Bubble? I think he's making a resurgence, and people are going to say, the next bubble is Mr. Bubble. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, well, let's just go with that. So the best way that I've seen to, to reduce the shocks in overall portfolio is to stay diversified and rebalance often. Not sexy. No, no. Well, I mean, here's, here's the deal, though. When, when people come and talk about asset allocation – it can go into other levels. For example, in your bond portfolio, do you own not only corporate bonds, high-yield bonds, government bonds in the form of tips, um, you know, also international bonds? I mean, if you're earning – if the dollar falls, for example, let's say inflation is a shock or a falling dollar is a shock to the overall market, if you're earning interest in other currencies and foreign bonds – that's a good hedge against the dollar. But the best way to do it is to make sure you have emergency reserves. And when you're you know, young and working at 6 to 12 months of your family's expenses in cash. So if you need you know, $4,000 a month to keep the lights on and the food on the table in your house, you need six times that a minimum in cash. Can you put that in muni bonds? No. Because I get that question all the time. People who want to use their cash to get higher returns. Now, potentially, I mean, there's, there's you know, California tax-free money market accounts, and that's okay. You've saw you've seen issues though where that has you know, had issues of of returns. You saw a couple of money market funds break the buck in 2008 and nine. That's, um, that's a phrase just to let people know that we never thought the the buck could be broken. Right, because most money market shares trade at a dollar a share all the time, and the institution never wants to give you 99 cents back because that would be shameful for them. Well, and most money market funds are costing mutual fund families money now to keep them at a dollar. Gotcha. Because you can't hunt for yield. They were hunting for yield in European bank paper, and they're pretty much out of it at this point. So it's harder to even keep you know their interest rates above zero. But with that said, it's you know when you're in retirement or close to retirement, you need three years worth of your portfolio draws in cash because world events will occur. Seven out of ten years are positive. Three out of ten years are negative. To get through those negative years in the market when you can't rebalance your portfolio and peel off gains because there aren't any, right. you've got to have the cash to live off of. If you look at your portfolio over all of the last three bubbles that we've had, balanced portfolios have averaged over 6% unless you drew on them when they were down. In that case, you're way behind. So to, to ward that off, you've got to invest the right way in asset allocation, have different asset classes that are doing well, 
um, when the stock market isn't, and you've got to have cash for when everything is doing poorly. Like 2009, asset allocation, everything fell off a cliff. Even gold fell off a cliff in a really ugly time because hedge funds were having to sell it to meet redemptions. Okay, let's ask, let me ask some questions. And you, short answers, okay? Okay. At this moment in time, do you own corporate bonds? Yes. At this moment in time, do you own high-yield bonds? Yes. At this moment in time, do you own tips? Yes. Treasuries? Uh, yes, in the intermediate term. I'm not, I can't tell you if I will in 12 months. But How about right dividend now. achievers? Oh, majority of the stock portfolio. Okay. 100% of our individual stocks, dividend achievers, and a good portion of our balanced ETF no-load fund portfolio is dividend achiever. And you know, like in a bullish market, that most of those are going to underperform the bullish stocks, but yet you still have to do it. And in a bearish market, those are going to save you. You, well, the, see, or am so I oversimplifying? You're oversimplifying because I think actually in a dividend achiever, um, well, not okay. just dividend paying stocks, those have underperformed a bull market. Dividend achievers are growing companies that still pay a dividend. So the yield isn't as high, but their growth, you, you look for growth there too. But where they get, you know, in a dividend achiever, where you, 2009, for example, the income in the stock portfolio still went up, even though the overall market was down, yep. because you're, divi- you're buying companies that raise their dividend. So between your three years' worth of expenses in cash and your dividends that come in on a quarterly basis, you've got that hedge. I mean, the way that I do it is I'm always at least hedging, you know, five to seven years' worth of income so I know I don't have to sell anything. If we go through a period of like 2000 when the market topped out, tanked down to 2003, and then recovered by 2007, I want to be able to get people through those types of periods because they're going to be retired from 65 to 100. Okay, probably what I should have said is that sometimes these basket of income producers make us feel like I wish the money was elsewhere. In hindsight, I wish I had it all at Apple, Mm -hmm. but you just can't do it. No, asset allocation, you're going to have to realize that when the market is 100% bull market, um, you will underperform a little bit because your bonds won't be keeping up with the the stocks. You're... Uh, you know, your your emerging markets tend to fall more than the S and P 500 in a na- in a negative year, but they tend to do better in a in a good year. So it it's it all rotates, it all reverts to the mean. Talking best ways to reduce shocks in a portfolio in retirement at CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at law online chadburton.com. That's chadburton.com or his company newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. He and I do seminars around the Bay Area all the time. You can come out and meet him. He's a good guy. I think you'll grow to like him. I'm Rob Black, talking all things money, financial, and more. Big event coming up in Palo Alto at the Elks Club Lodge. It's on the 19th, so it's a couple Thursdays from now. It's 639. It's tied towards the pillars of retirement income. Stocks that pay dividends. Bonds that pay dividends. Real estate investment trusts that pay dividends. All this will be discussed and more, how to find dividend stocks. On top of that, we will talk about... Some may be fun, but childhood asthma is not. Preventing asthma attacks can be as simple as cleaning up the mold and mildew in your house. For more breathe easy tips to help stop asthma attacks, go to noattacks.org. Brought to you by the EPA and the Ad Council. And the Ad Council. A day after the Dow Jones. 
You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. You know, there's always money-saving tips. Like, you can get to retirement if you cut some unneeded expenses. Sometimes they're just myths, though. Like, one of the myths is you can't save money until you make a certain amount, and I think that's just crap. Once you begin your career, it's easy to think of saving money as something you'll do in the future. One day I'll make more money. One day I'll you know, focus on this, but right now I'm going to a a music show. Getting in the habit early is important no matter how small or insignificant your monthly deposit seems. You might not want to make certain sacrifices, but try using a reward system as a motivator. Write a list of perks, such as a movie subscription service or even a new car. Start crossing those off as you climb the ladder and earn more. One of the things I do, I mean, this is so easy. <clears throat> Friends of mine all use, like, Southwest credit cards or Hawaiian Airlines credit cards, and, you know, they get free flights and things like that. Me? My opinion is it's, it's a little bit more along the lines of I use those perks, and I just I get the cash back, and I save it. So automatically I'm saving. So you can save, and let's say I was living paycheck to paycheck. Automatically I could save that money. Um, the cheaper item is the smarter purchase is a myth. This is a tricky one. I'd rather you buy a Rolex for $4,000 than a watch for $400. Buying a cheaper store brand or unknown brand, it's nearly identical to its more expensive twin in the world of groceries. Um, they say that for people who buy, like, generics, it takes a college education to buy generic Tylenol whereas the person with only a high school education will buy the name brand title where you're paying for the branding and not much else. So just throwing it out there. If you're buying, you know, I know a lot of people who shop at the dollar stores, and they're like, look, I got a roll of toilet paper for a dollar. Or I got four rolls of toilet paper for a dollar. But they're like the tiny versions of toilet paper. I'd rather you go to Costco and get the big bulky version. So just be careful. Sometimes you're buying like, look, I got a teeny tiny little tuba ketchup for a dollar. That's like $3 Safeway. I would be really bad at that Price is Right game where you have to name grocery costs. I would be really bad at it. But I can tell you a lot of my friends and you know family members are like, dollar store this, dollar store that. And like if you buy a light bulb at a dollar store and it blows out in a week or it burns down your house, was it worth it? No. One myth that's a huge mistake, is paying credit cards late once in a while is okay. One late payment can affect your credit score and result in costly fees and higher interest rates. Set yourself a monthly reminder. I do. Keep a balance on your credit card to improve your credit score. That's a myth. Popular myth believed by those looking to keep a good credit score. Maintaining a balance on your account does not affect your credit score. Ultimately, what will improve your score is showing that you can manage an account by avoiding late fees, keeping a low ratio of credit used to credit available. This leads to the next myth, again, of paying credit cards once in a while late is okay. It's not. There is something to build a credit score that you have to 
have some monthly payments. But once you get multiple credit lines going, pay off that credit card every month. So I've got a mortgage that I will have for many, many years. That's going to keep my that's going to keep my credit lines paid on a monthly basis. It's going to keep me carrying debt for a long period of time. Again, some people who want to lend you money do want to see that you have some on your some debt on your cards, but not me. Uh, buying bulk's not always better, especially if you end up throwing stuff away. When perishable items spoil too quickly, or you end up having too much of an item you rarely use. So, one of the things that I found interesting of bulk that one of my friends taught me, and this was fantastic. And again, I'm not going to do this. They were an elder couple, you know, 65, 70-ish. And uh, they'd buy bulk toilet paper and they'd store it in their car. <laughs> toilet paper and paper towels. Because it's so light, it's not going to really affect your gas mileage. That's another thing you can do, for the record, if you want to, is just go through your car and get junk out of it to get better gas mileage to save more money. I have a friend who carries a bowling ball in his car. You want to carry cash? It helps you save money. Certainly a certain amount of cash each week to avoid overspending may work for some. Um, carrying cash doesn't help you save money. You're missing out on a few things when you only pay in cash. Paying with a credit card, it's easier. Plus, you get you know a service like Mint that will automatically categorize your purchases. You also lose that ability to get like reward points, which again, if you're going to use for Southwest or Hawaiian Airlines, that's great. I want to save mine in, in cash. I have always taken the rewards in cash and put it in the bank. And keep in mind that even credits, sometimes you won't even know. Like Southwest credit cards, they just change the rules. It used to be $20,000 for a flight. Now it's 25000 So they watered it down. It was 15%. They, they took the points and watered them down by about 15%. And a lot of people are pissed by it, and a lot of people don't even know it happened. Um, you know the cup of coffee thing? Where, you know, don't buy a Starbucks cup of coffee for 5 bucks. You know, start saving, co- making coffee at home. It, I wouldn't beat yourself up to the point of that one. Like, if you really need your cup of coffee, you could find another place to cut costs uh, and pat yourself on the back for the coffee and say, ooh, this is my perk of the day, this is my luxury of the day. Anyway, I recently give it up basically about 80% of my red meat consumption. It's a nice perk. It's more money in my pocket. Big event coming up in Palo Alto at the Elks Lodge on the 19th of this month. It is an income strategy event. You can sign up for it at robblack.com. It's Palo Alto Elks Lodge. It's income and retirement dividends, stocks, REITs, setting up a portfolio of dividend income payers in retirement. Hey, this is Reba. Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800 516 
1220. So call in, we'll chat, and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. Welcome in. Rob Black, your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, invested in more. Anything you want to talk about, we could talk about. First and foremost, let's get some market numbers in. Um, we have the SP 500 down 7, the Dow down 98, NASDAQ down 4. Taking a look at some of the top stories of the day, there's nothing that really jumps out as, ooh, that's a big top story of the day. When we take a look at the market numbers, we're down, but keep in mind we had a up 4% month of May, so we're kind of digesting that. Imagine eating a 18-ounce steak. It's going to take a little while to get that broken down and pushed out your body. It's kind of the same thought. The Dow 17,000 will happen. The S&P 500 2,000 will happen. I predict both will happen this year. I don't think I'm going out too far on the limb because we see improving jobs. We still see a low cost of money. I am concerned about the markets when we move into a higher interest rate environment. We're not there yet. Apple's up again. It's had a pretty nice little week since uh, splitting their shares. Just up five cents, but sitting at ninety-four dollars and twenty-nine cents. Taking a look at the markets, some of the other big stories out there. Um, snap it, Snaptics, Snaptics. Speaking of Mick, um, is a mover today. I would say it's a mover and a shaker up twenty-two percent. It agreed to acquire Renesis for about $475 million in a deal expected to close in the fourth quarter. Renesis is the company, only company that supplies display chips for Apple's iPhone. Synaptics also boosted its fiscal fourth quarter revenue guidance, now expecting $300 million um, to $310 million. That's good news for Apple because they do the touch screens. Other winners of the day include Ultra Salon and Fragrance. They reported lovely smelling first quarter earnings. They beat expectations, and they do things like shampoos. Rambus in the news today. They said they're developing technology to improve users' experience of electronics. They lifted guidance for second quarter revenue. The company expects sales to come in between 75 and 77 million, higher than the initial forecasts. GameStop is a winner today. They're likely benefiting from E3 2014 that's going on. E3 is a big video game conference where the kids get together and play video games. Like, I went and saw Pac-Man eat Pac-Woman. <laughs> so E3 is out there going on. And Sony PlayStation seems to be like the big winner. But as far as stocks go, game stocks. And why is Sony the big winner? Because Microsoft is cutting prices of its Xbox One. Uh-oh. One year in the books, and uh, the lead the lead is going to Sony. Out of the gate. Or out of the gate. Doesn't mean coming down the stretch. It won't be Seattle Slough against Sony against Microsoft. It's Microsoft by a nose. Um, man, poor guy. The poor guy who owned the horse. How embarrassing was that to be at Belmont and to lose your mind because it looks like he was pretty drunk. <laughs> 
So it's all bitter that horses that don't race all year long get to jump into the Belmont at the last second, and his horse has been racing all year long is all tired. Aww. He won two out of three. That's pretty impressive. California Chrome. H&R Block, the tech services company, said profit jumped $910 million. Revenues rose 16% to $2.5 billion, in part because of a late start to tax season, which shifted revenue into the company's first quarter. Boeing loser today. Deutsche Lufthansa reduced its 2014 guidance for operating profit. Emirates Airlines canceled an order for 70 jets from Airbus, dragging the U.S. listed shares of Airbus lower. So Boeing and Airbus both losers today. If you've ever looked at the projections for flights in the next 10, 20 years, it's crazy. And if you ever look at Boeing's backlog, it's insanity. Delta. Delta, Delta, Delta. Worst loser in the S&P 500, down 4% today. Analysts lowered their price target on it. Yeah. Precision cast parts in the news today. Company subsidiary Titanium Metals recently hit with a $13.7 million fine for violating Toxic Substances Control Act. Tyson Foods, big chicken maker. Uh, company's rating was put on review for the Standard & Poor's rating services because of the expected increase in debt resulting from its ex- acquisition of Hilshire brands. Yeah. That ain't so bad. Reuters has a nice story out today on a lot of homes near cities are pricing people out. Like that's a big duh, right? As many home buyers near ho- uh, look for homes near downtowns, they face fewer and more expensive properties. Americans increasingly say they prefer to live near the center of cities and towns where commutes are typically shorter and culture, restaurants, and entertainment close by. Marks a shift from that yearning for the open suburban space. It kind of ebbs and flows, and... It's worthy of note. Average price of a newly built home nationwide reached $320,000. A 20.5% jump since the beginning of 2012. That put puts a typical new home out of reach for two-thirds of Americans. Land in cities clearly has surged as well. Buyers have historically paid about 15% more for a new home than an existing one. A premium that's reached 40% today. There's something nice about living in a new home versus a used home. I live in a used home and uh, always seem to be uh, tinkering with garages and washers and, you know, always seem to be tinkering. And tinkering's a cost of time. California dreaming. Dunkin' Donuts is California dreaming on such a winter's day. Dunkin' Donuts said franchisees will open five traditional shops in California this year, ending the coffee and baked goods chain's dozen-year absence from the nation's most populous state. California's got about 20% of residents of the United States. My brother David was in town. He was like, why does California want to break into six states? It's like, because we got 20% of the people and we only have two House of Representatives. Or Senators or Representatives. House of Representatives. So, that's not fair. Especially since we have so many different cultures in California. Not just north and south, but central, northern. I think some parts of northern California want to leave the nation and go to Canada. I think I've heard something like that recently. Maybe it's, I think, I'm pretty sure. Dunkin' Donuts was under different management, suffering poor stores last time they had a chain in uh, August 2002. 
Dunkin' Brands, publicly traded company, it's done pretty darn well. You laugh. You laugh. Don't laugh at me. It's awful when you have to say that to a girlfriend. <laughs> oh. Um, but, yeah, take a look at the five-year average, uh, you know, a five-year chart on Dunkin' Brands. You'll see that it's done surprisingly well, going from $25 up to $45. That's not bad. Market's done better. But with that said, it's not bad. It's better than a stick in the eye. Some, who likes sticks in the eyes? I'm probably upsetting things for them, right? 800-516-1220. Get your calls in the air. You can find me online at robblack.com. Big event coming up on the 19th in Palo Alto, the Elks Lodge. It's an income and dividend strategy for retirement. Ten pillars of retirement income. You can sign up at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. KDOW traffic. A couple of problems in Sanford. Save a little bit of money. I put it in a box. Get in behind the face on the red wall. I took everything I wanted. I took everything I need. All in a day. Or maybe they just won't need me. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. GoPro has filed an IPO. Initially filed their paperwork confidentially in February under some new guidelines where they're allowed to keep it hush-hush. Filing coincided with the start of the Sochi Winter Olympics back when they did it where Norwegian ski jumper Anders Jakobsen, amongst other athletes, wore the high-definition GoPro hero and captured video of themselves soaring high and above. They also had a big, splashy Super Bowl commercial featuring Felix Baumgartner's free fall from space. Um, pretty cool stuff. Pretty cool stuff. GoPro was launched in 2004 by a surfer-turned-entrepreneur, Nick Woodman. With money he'd earned from selling beads and belts he imported from Indonesia on a surfing trip. You can buy GoPro, Best Buy, and REI. Very much so. It started as a grassroots support for the product and looking for something to replace the traditional shoot and point. Or point and shoot is the right way of saying that. Whoops. It's a San Mateo, California company. Um, and they're growing. And I can see a point where like kids will have GoPros on their head, right? So they do have some future growth. They need to market it. Like, hey, moms, dads, look at the Super Bowl ad. And look, ta-da, magic. Your kid could have this on his head. One of the more interesting stories of the day, Expedia is going to start accepting Bitcoin. Hmm, Bitcoin growing up. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. The SP 500 is down 7. The NASDAQ down 7. The Dow down 97. Joining me now... Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. It's BayAreaLoanSource.com. Something that hurt my credit rating, and credit ratings are very important in getting the best rate you can get, whether it be a home equity line of credit, a mortgage, it's important to have a good credit rating. It helps your job. It helps you get jobs. It helps you get rentals. It helps you qualify for a lot of things. 
a good credit score will even help you get a, a house when compared to somebody else. So it's important to note, recently, I got a, a letter from Bank of America. I had a credit card with them for 17, 18 years, and they said, we're canceling your credit card because those terms no longer apply. I called them and I begged them. I'm like, please don't cancel this. This is the longest credit card that I've ever had. It makes the ones that I've opened in the last three years look older, and they canceled it anyway. So I said, okay, I'll take my business elsewhere. I won't bank with you anymore. Done. But it hurt my credit score. The average age of my credit card went from like eight years down to like three because you took off one of these big, super old ones, and that's worthy of note. Yeah. So what do we need to know about getting the best credit score, some of the ways to um, improve your credit score? Um, you know, get a copy of your credit report first, and you can get a free credit report from annualcreditreport.com or from somebody that you are trying to apply for a loan from, and and they can analyze it for you and and help you figure out. Check for mistakes. Uh, that's you know, it's they're not big hurts to your credit score, but they they do add up. Um, for example, if they're spelling your name wrong or they have wrong addresses or wrong employer, uh, check for derogatory too. Um, yeah, that's the most important thing for your credit is making sure all your payments are on time, and derogatories will stay on your credit for a longer period of time, especially if they're a mistake. Um, you know, establishing new credit is not always a good thing right away. For example, you were just saying that you know you have some newer credit show up as opposed to that older long-term credit. Um, that is a it will help over time as long as you keep your balances low, which is the, the most important thing. Is uh, sorry, sorry. The, the quickest thing you can change is the, the balance levels. So you can, if you want the best credit score for your balances, is under 30%. So you want to keep your balances under 30%. So as long as you can maintain that for a longer period of time, you'll benefit more. Okay. Some other areas that have a good credit score or that help a good credit score, um, obviously, like you said, maintaining your balances and I pay my balances down twice a month, so I do it once halfway on the 15th and once at the end of the month. So I'm always like maintaining my credit. I'm always throwing cash at my credit. Just It helps it. Mm-hmm. Um, how about credit cards? Are there good credit cards, bad credit cards, or are they all treated about the same? Because no, I, know, I know mortgages help your credit a lot more they're than They're all credit treated cards. the same. Okay. Uh, they're going to give you the same rating. And again, it comes down to the balances uh, compared to the limit. Um, I've seen people actually take a one credit card that has a high balance and then spread it over a bunch of other credit cards that have higher limits, and they've improved their credit score. Um, and you could do it quite quickly. You can simply call your – let's say you're applying for a home loan and your credit score is 699, and you need 720 or just, or 701. There's a big difference between 699 and 701. And just find out when the creditor reports to the agencies and then make a payment before that, and then the, the next time, then they rerun your credit. I've done that several times where I priced out a loan, and then a week or two later, we repriced the loan at a new credit score. A hard credit inquiry is actually hurt my credit score as yes. well because I did a lot of refinances. Is that, is it, was it because of that, or was it because of the credit cards I've opened? What was it that themed my credit on? It's, it's, a, it's, the, it's an algorithm that the credit bureaus use to say, you know, okay, this guy's out there shopping for something. And he, he either can't qualify or, or he's buying many, many things. You can still establish credit um, after, after a credit inquiry, but it's still not show up on your report. So they may be thinking that you're buying a whole bunch of stuff. So it's all part of that algorithm. So credit hits will hurt. Then there's soft credit pulls, which is basically 
a credit card company saying, okay, does this guy still have a decent credit score? And, and we're going to reissue a credit card to them. Yeah, I was a little surprised Bank of America didn't reissue. Keeping I'm that surprised. That's one of the first times I've heard of credit card companies calling, basically calling the note. And they just said terms changed. Yeah. And I don't even know what the terms were. Maybe your credit score didn't qualify for it anymore, and they did a soft credit pull and said, you know what, credit, your credit rating well, didn't not, work. Let's not make assumptions here because you're, you're defaming me. I'm kind of important. I just kind of want to assume, I kind of want to assume that it was a, a dinosaur and it just went extinct on me. So, but you know what? Actually, okay. So they closed the line of credit on me. They hurt my age and duration, but they actually helped me because they decreased my total credit availability, which is how much do you borrow versus how much is available to borrow. Pretty interesting stuff. Anyway, we're talking improving credit. You can find Tony Mendez. This is what he does for a living. He gets loans done. You can find him at BayAreaLoanSource.com. It's BayAreaLoanSource.com. So Google's doing something kind of interesting. They're planning a deeper push into the $363 billion power sales market in the United States by working on tools that help utilities deliver electricity to homes and businesses more efficiently. Why are they doing that? Well, they consume a lot of electricity, so they're in the business already. Google's a big consumer of electricity for things that run their servers and power their services. It's looking at ways to transform a century-old utility industry. There's big protests happening in Europe today. Ironically, cabbies are protesting Uber, and Uber usage is up 850%. Um, Getting that app on someone's phone is going to hurt them so much. They're going to regret this strike. Earlier this year, Google spent $3.2 billion to acquire... Oh, why did I bring that up? Because Uber and Lyft transforming the cabbing industry. Google has space and room to potentially transform transformation of delivery of electricity. Big event coming up in Palo Alto at the Elks Lodge, Thursday evening, 6.30 to 9. You can sign up for the event at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. We'll take a break here. Be right back. Uh, Again, Thursday night, the 19th. I'm Rob Black. Sounds bad, but I'm not quite sure. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. So, Expedia is going to accept Bitcoin for hotel bookings. I think that's pretty big. For Bitcoin, it's growing up. They're now accepted for satellite TV. They're now accepted to Overstock. Now they're accepted Expedia. Now, the thing about Bitcoin is you really can't be traced with it in theory. It makes you wonder about hotels. Why are they, like, do people not want to be traced to a hotel? Maybe. Is it because you have a lover? Or is it because you're getting baked on drugs? Like, is, is there a dark tie towards hotels? I'm asking a question because I don't know. I'm so innocent. I'm like, I'm honestly like a baby flower. I'm gentle and sweet. Please be nice to me. But why is it Why is the hotel tie got me like, hmm, something's fishy going on. Like, I know lawyers. Lawyers have to deal with dark, evil, seedy defense attorneys have to deal with, like, just criminals. And they have to try to get them off. And, yeah, the criminal doesn't want their money sources being laundered or uh, followed. 
So I understand why defense attorneys will take Bitcoin. I, I, is there a tie to hotels that I need to know? If there's enough demand, Expedia is doing it. They're not changing their payment system for nothing. Global hunger worldwide is uh, fueling a surge in protein costs. There's an investment there. Do not ignore it. If you started investing in companies that make cows or chickens or that process cows or chickens or that deliver cows or chickens or that sells cows or chickens, there's been a movement higher in the last 10 years as China's come online. Other stories of note, job openings are at the highest level since 2007. Yay! You can get a job now. That, I know, right? That should have the people that I work for shaking in their boots, because I'm leaving. I'm out of here. I'm gone. Hasta la vista, baby. Job openings are picking up. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Not for radio people? They're, they're actually losing radio jobs. Sorry, Greg. Sorry, Mike. Love you guys. Going to get you a cake this year. Um, so job openings. Job openings are opening up. Employers recruited candidates for 4.5 million open jobs in April, up 4.2% in March, the most since September of 2007. Openings are, quote, in shouting distance of pre-recession high. Aww. So I did that little story on Dunkin' Donuts, and I never really tied it together with anything. That's potentially bad news for Starbucks. Potentially. Uh, to me, like, they're only opening up, like, stores in Downey, Long Beach, Modesto, Santa Monica. And they're going to expand it a little bit more. But that California dream and coming back to California, they need to. Too many people here to ignore. Chevy Camaro, fire up the fire. Fire up the Trans Am. We're going home. That's kind of what I always imagine people saying after they've seen a truck show. A monster, big wheels. Wheels, 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 wheels. I'm assuming everyone lives in Stockton that goes to those shows. And as they're walking out, they fire up Trans Am. We're going back to Stockton. Am I trying to say that there is a lower class of people that drive Trans Ams? Yes, I am. I wouldn't say that out loud. Yes, I could. There's no chance I would infer that people that drive Trans Ams are lower quality human beings than me. They are. They're subterranean. So Camaro outselling Ford Mustang, that's pretty interesting. No? It does show you that there's competition, and you know, companies like Ford and GM do have to pay attention to brands and make sure that they you know, put gentle love, gentle love into the brands so that you know, they stay you know, true to form. For the first five months of the year, Chevy sold 38,000, let's just call it 39,000 Camaros. Ford sold almost 37,000 Mustangs. That's a difference of only 2,400 cars. And for now, Camaros are out selling Mustangs, so maybe one will catch up with the other. There's a story out there today on Uber that I find interesting. Uh, Uber's that service that, and there's a very similar service as well, Lyft. It's pretty nice. Like, if you do a Lyft around town, like, let's say you have a date Friday night... And you hail a lift, you'll see that Steve's your driver, and you'll see that he's sporting a Camaro. Or he's sporting a, I don't know, some sort of electric vehicle, a Prius. And you'll see his car three blocks away, two blocks away, one block away, boom, he's on you. 
And sure enough, you look up in that satellite, it works. So Uber today is in the news. This is disrupting a lot of things in Europe. Uber said there's been an 850% increase today in signups compared to last Wednesday. Basically, London taxis are trying to stop these online services from taking over and becoming dominant. It might be too late. And maybe it just means the cab services need to change and get with the times, in my opinion. This is a disruptive technology. Uber said 850% increase, right? So London taxi cab or cab cabs are shooting themselves in the foot. Uber's announced its plans to open an app-based service up to black cars, uh, black cabs, adding that it is a shame to bring London to a standstill. As well as Uber services, customers will now be able to hail a black cab from the app. While Uber claims it's good for riders, good for London cabbies, and good for the local economy, taxi drivers in London began their protest, creating gridlock around the central tourist hotspot Trafalgar Square, Whitehall, and Parliament Square. That's going to get you no love of the people. Taxi drivers insist that because of Uber, the system calculates its fare according to distance and time. It's the same as a meter, which only black cabs regulate it to use. Black cab driver and representative of trade union Pete Rose can't make that one up. He's leading the protest. There's no history of cab drivers using private hire firms. It isn't about Uber. This is about TFL. I don't even know what that means. Um, the technology needs to be safe and legit and legal. There was a story last week. There's been two stories, one hurting Uber and one hurting Lyft, and one involved an off-hours driver basically picking up a drunk girl and taking her home or taking her to a motel, but he was off-hours. That's no different than anyone picking up a drunk girl. You don't do things you're not supposed to. But it it reflected badly on the company because that's where you worked and that was part of the story. So there's huge interest in this. Um, I told my brother David about Lyft and he recently was visiting San Francisco and he's from Winchester, Virginia. Uh, Teeny tiny little town, grows apples. And he was just blown away by it. And as he was getting out at a hotel or at a, a restaurant with his, his woman, an Uber driver, not an Uber driver, but a taxi driver started yelling at him. So this is pretty disruptive. I find it interesting to say the least. So this is really the top stories of the day. I think I've hit those pretty good. Um, you know, Radio Shack is collapsing. I could certainly beat that up a little bit more if I had to. Senate Republicans block a student loan bill. I think one of the biggest cancers in America right now is our student loans and the fact that we send our kids to college and have them rack up sixty to $100,000 of debt on a degree that's not going to help them get a job. Um, I don't know. There's something. The cost of college, I really think you have to think, what sort of job am I going to get from this? Just for the cost. Going to college is great. You learn social skills. You learn how to get up. You learn how to stay up. You learn how to, you know, flirt with the other sex. Like, you learn so much in college. But, you know, when we have $1.2 trillion of student loan debt tied to 40 million Americans, keep in mind we're a nation of 300 million, it's the second largest form of debt tied second only to mortgages, bigger than car debt. It's worth mentioning we have a problem. And Senate Republicans blocking legislation aimed at letting people refinance their student loans at lower rates. 
Um, basically not going to happen. 56 to 38 votes shall f- fell short of the 60 that would have been needed to advance the debate on the measure. By Elizabeth Warren, her bill would have let millions of borrowers, some with years-old debt, with interest rates popping, topping 7% or more, refinance to today's lower rates. Seems like a no-brainer to me. Take care of our students because they're future taxpayers. Let's go to Rick real quick in San Francisco. Rick? Rick, real quick. Uh, what just says the Dow, Dow Jones and the Wall Street Journal and all been bought by News Corp. Uh, have you seen any big major differences in theology or something like that? Yeah, thanks for the call, Rick. Um, it has been noted that News Corp, which is controlled by Rupert Murdoch, uh, considered very conservative. They did buy the Wall Street Journal. Um, I don't see a big conspiracy there. Never trust your news sources as completely true and reliable, is my opinion. Uh, know that there's always going to be a slant, no matter what you look at. Uh, I still like the Wall Street Journal. I think it's a good read. I like the New York Times. I like the uh, Financial Times out of London as well. We'll take a break here. I'm Rob Black. Take this job and shut. AM 1220 KDOW traffic. Two accidents for your ride into Pleasanton. This traffic report brought to you by O'Brien Homes. Westbound 580 between Airway and El Charo. An accident involving a couple of cars that has the two left lanes blocked. And another one at El Charo has involved a motor. Listening to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. They're saying Jeb Bush is getting closer to running for president. It's going to make Hillary excited. Last election didn't go so well for the Republicans. Election before that didn't go so well for the Republicans as far as presidentials go. Chris Christie? Who's the Republican savior out there? Um, and I bring this up, um, and don't think I'm being, do not think I'm being political, because I don't, I don't do that on the show. I do talk about politics and how it affects Wall Street, for sure. Washington's made things worse. Last night, Eric Cantor, um, basically losing his primary House Majority Leader. That's not good. Uh, he's a conservative conservative. He has a lifetime 95% rating from the uh, American Conservative Union. He had public and quite bitter exchanges with President Barack Obama. Um, he's opposed. He was opposed to immigration reform. It appears he even managed to convince a pro-immigration member of Congress to travel to his home of Richmond, Virginia, to claim that Cantor was the obstacle to action. That's not even funny. So, losing his primary, the Tea Party movement isn't dead, um, but it's losing some momentum for sure. Thad Cochran's going to lose in Mississippi. Establishment Republicans like Mitch McConnell and John Cornyn have beat back challenges quite comfortably. It looks like the Tea Party is a force, but not an insurmountable one. And again, what does Congress look like, and how does it affect Wall Street next year? It will. Trust me. You'll see... uh, Different stocks rise and fall based on 
expectations. So I got a call, I got an email, and I try to answer my emails on the air, but I really want you to call the show. It's so much better of a show, and if you can't, I just, I won't go on air with your, your question. But someone was asking me about Twitter, and he's starting to use some pretty smart terms like double bottom, so he's looking at it. And I don't think he's got the skill to call a double bottom, unless he's working professionally in Chicago or New York. A lot of people will say, hey, that looks like, that doesn't look like double bottom to me. So I just pulled up the chart and just just to let you know that it's not look like a double bottom. Um, it looks like it's trying to find a bottom, but in no way, shape, or form has it gone back up and back down. Um, if you were to imagine it, maybe it's gone from 31 to 33, back to 31, but I think you're kind of reaching at that point in time. So Twitter, they are publicly traded. To me, what you have to look at with Twitter, I'm a fundamentals guy. And at $30, $35, it's a lot cheaper than it was at $60. Twitter's probably going to use some of their cash to buy things like music companies. Everyone seems to want one now that, you know, Apple bought Beats, Spotify, SoundCloud, Pandora. Who's it going to be, you know? Um, Short term as a trade, could it work? Absolutely. Absolutely. Fundamental, when they report numbers, if they continue to show meh at best, it's going to be a problem. So from a technical standpoint, it does look like a swing trade. There's no doubt about it. Um, but I would, again, be very, very cautious pulling that off. Your time frame is very short, and if anything goes wrong with the market, you can bring it down with it. Sellers have gone away. So people who wanted to sell it sold it at 45, 50, 55, 60. So setting up a multi-session high recently. Most analysts now have gone from neutral to buy on it. You do want the fundamentals to come in. Uh, Twitter users in Australia have reported a cyber attack. That's not that big of a news, right? But there's uh, eMarketer is predicting a 34% growth in users from Asia. So that may be their next big thing that they start focusing in on. Uh, back in May, there was some rumors that Carl Icahn was going to get involved. Will Twitter be blocked in Russia? Will Twitter be blocked in Turkey? You know, those are some of the things that, you know, continually come up on it. Um, Taking a look at the valuation, I don't think it has a lot of room. It's got a $20 billion market cap. They will be able to turn on the profit spigot at some point in time. It's traded next year's 143. I would rather you buy LinkedIn, which is trading, you know, on a different type of metric for next year. It's trading at 65 times. Or, heck, why not just buy Facebook, which is trading on next year's expectations of roughly uh, 35 times earnings. Or, heck, heck, let's just go crazy here. Crazy. Let's do something that no one else has ever done. Let's, let's go crazy, okay? Let's maybe consider buying Google. It's trading at 17 times next year's earnings. I ain't got no problem with Google. But if you want to try to trade Twitter... Do it. I'm not telling you not to. Anyhow, um, that's all I got for you. <laughs> that's all I got for you. Please, everyone, go home. Please, please. Yes, yes, go. So Lulu Lemon, founder, has turned on the board. 
votes against the new chairman. That's drama. I always say, save the drama for mama. But Lululemon founder and biggest shareholder Chip Wilson lashed out at Yoga Wear's retailer's board, announcing he had voted not to reelect the company's new chairman, Michael Casey, and one other director. He praised Lululemon's new management, but said he believes the board is heavily weighted towards short-term results at the expense of product, culture, and brand. He remains on the board and owns a 27% stake in the company. Vancouver-based Lululemon has been struggling in the aftermath of that embarrassing recall of see-through yoga pants, which I didn't find embarrassing. I liked it. I'm fine with it. I think they should be the staple regular thing they'd sell. Not. So they had a real big problem with that, right? Let's take a quick look at how Lululemon shares are doing. 44 bucks. 52-week high of 72, 52-week low of 42. Wow, it's near its 52-week low. That's horrible. You can find me online at robblack.com. Big event coming up, seminar in Palo Alto. You can sign up for it at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.